We're going to continue now uh, listening to our Lord uh, teaching uh, Nicodemus, okay? Um, Just as Moses raised up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be raised up. That raising up, of course, is uh, on the cross. But as I pointed out, the word, the word comes, for instance, the first opening line of the servant song in Isaiah 53.12 in Greek is the same verb, ipsun, to be lifted up, to be raised up, you see. And so here it has this same ambiguity. He's raised up on the cross in ignominy, but he's raised up so that everyone who gazes on him will have eternal life. And so the allusion is to this text and to its current understanding. The wording of the Targum, the Aramaic translation, says when they looked on that serpent, and it implies, you know, they were were gazing at it. And what did they see? They saw the effect of their own sin. They saw the serpent. And so, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And now... We start what is probably a reflection on the part of, the, of John, the uh, Gospel writer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that everyone believing in him, unto him, you see, may not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world so much that he gave his Son you know how that we just sang it uh, at Easter, right? Uh, oh, happy fall, oh, wonderful love, to redeem a slave, you sacrificed your son. I mean, we will never figure God out because His ways are not our ways. He's pure love. And we just don't get it because we're not pure love for sure. And so, everyone believing in him, which means to gaze on the cross and see the healing of your malady, which is worse than being bitten by a snake. Gaze on the cross and accept that reality into your life and you're healed. You will not perish, but you will have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world that he might judge the world, condemning it, but that the world might be saved through him. Now we have a starting of a discourse. Um, The problem is what? Why doesn't anybody believe? How come the Christians are a motley crew, not all doing very well, in a, in a world that most people, you know, pay no attention to us. Well, it's darkness. You see? The one believing in him is not judged. The one not believing is already judged. Why? Because what is going on? The Lord is saying, here is salvation. Take it, it's yours. Leave it, it's not yours. 
It's, your, it's in your hands. You see? Um, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That is the reality. He hasn't yielded to this reality of the only begotten Son of God. You see? And then we come to this part. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than the light. What a mystery. And this is where you see the mystery of evil. Why would we be so hidden? I was just reading some material on the internet about the incredible corruption in certain quarters in high-ranking governments. They love darkness. They can't give that up for the light unless the Lord in some sovereign power breaks the power of Satan. And most of these people who are in that bad situation are into the occult. Why? Once you start out on your own, you need power. And you're not going to get it from God. So you better get it somewhere. And only a very stupid person would think they had all the power they need to make it through this life. So they cultivate other powers. And they get into the occult. And they meet somebody who can promise them an inside track. And they take it. And they take it. And they get plunged into more and more darkness. The wonder is that some, even far away from God, can hear his voice and start to come back. They may need exorcism, they may need lots of stuff, but it's all there in the church for them to come back and be freed. And so, you see, uh, they love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their works were evil. Evil works we don't want to bring to the light, right? For everyone carrying out evil hates the light and does not come to the light so that his works be not exposed. This is remarkable, isn't it? We do evil and we won't come to the light. That's astonishing. If you come to the light, you see, the one, the text says literally, the one doing the truth um, comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what he does is done in God. Who hides? The one who does evil. Even if he's at the top of the world heap and boasting with his big mouth, He's a frightened, hidden man. And he would never acknowledge all that he's done because his works are evil. Whereas the one who comes to the light, you see, for um, fear is be exposed, but the man who lives by the truth, the man who does the truth, literally, which is a Johannine phrase, comes out into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what he does is done in God. To do the truth, which is a Johannine phrase, it means to act out of the revelation 
of Jesus Christ, whose revelation consists in manifesting the Father. In John, this notion of truth means the revelation of the Father. So that he who does his works, you see, uh, comes into the light is because he's doing the truth. He's living by the revelation of the Father. He loves the Father. He trusts the Father. He's not embarrassed or hidden. You see? And that is such a... The people who are very hard and very powerful and very evil are also very frightened. That's why they have to have bodyguards and super bodyguards and they might die. Well, I got news for you. You are going to die. And there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe not today, but someday you're going to die. And you are going to meet God. So don't worry about your works being hidden. They will be there for everybody to see. Whereas the one who does the truth, you see, um, he, he comes out into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what he does is done in God. So to do the truth means to act out of this revelation of the Father. We have a wonderful text in the first letter of John, 3.16. In this we know the love, that he gave his life for us. And so we too should give our lives for one another. So far, very moving, right? Then John goes on. So if a man sees his brother in need and closes his heart to him, how can you say the love of God is in him? He doesn't even love his brother. He closes his heart to him. Brethren, let us not love in word and tongue, but let us love in deed and truth. And the truth there means revealing the Father. Love in such a way, practice in such a way, that people can see the Father. In Matthew 3, I think it's 16, the Lord says the same thing, right? Uh, let your good works shine before men so that they will see them and glorify your Father. And so, the truth, the truth is the Father. He is, as the um, medieval theologians used to love to call him, he is the principium deitatis. They are all equal, but there is a principle in the deity, and he's the Father. And there he is, infinitely lovable, and as we've heard, infinitely patient. And so the Lord here is telling Nicodemus, and now from this point on, the Gospel writer John is saying, why don't people come to the light? Because they have to hide their works. Whereas if they were doing their works in the light, people would glorify their Father. They would see Him. And that would reveal, that's the other text, you see, let's act in deed and in truth, love in deed and in truth, because that manifests the Father. And so, these first 21 verses begin this whole discourse, which will go on, and we'll take it up uh, in the next talk. Uh, what can I say? There's so much here, my friends, that water 
with prayer is made the vehicle by which we have divine life. Think of the humility of God. When he created water, he knew he was going to do that. He dwells in us. He feeds us. He comes to us in bread and wine. He strengthens us. He heals us with an anointing of oil. Just think of this, huh? And this wonderful world into which we are invited. We need not be afraid. Bring your works to the light. And if some of them are dark, they will be transformed. They will be transformed. And so, that's this beginning of this... Um, we, we have finished the discourse in a way. There'll be more of it later. Uh, allusions to it uh, with Nicodemus. But we're not finished by a long shot with this whole discourse on you believe and then you come and you submit yourself to that action that Jesus has prescribed. You are washed in water in the name of the Trinity and then you have eternal life.